silkworms are out. Are they? Yep. Out of fashion, just totally out. Oh yeah. No more silkworms. Mm -mm. Silkworms are out. Milkworms are in. Oh, oh! Tell me about your new milky fashions. What do you get from a milkworm? Milkworms are the latest craze. Uh, they're a new species of worm that I have discovered. Oh! And I'm gonna, I'm gonna get one of them old timey wagons, and I'll get a curly moustache and a top hat, and I'll go around the towns showing them to people and telling them to get a look at my gentrified, electrified, bonafide milkworms. Yeah! Like that, and people are going to love them. I mean, I'm loving the sales pitch already. It sounds like you've got the whole marketing strategy spun up, ready to go. Oh yeah, they're worms. They produce tasty milk, because to be honest, I think silk is bullshit, and everyone will need milk. When the world collapses, right, will you be able to drink your sheets? No. Will you be able to get milk from sheets? Yes. What even is silk? It's just like butt thread that is like so, so thin and somehow they make a bed out of it. How do they even do that? That's it. I can get some thin thread to come out of my bum, but you won't want to make a blouse out of it. No, exactly. Milkworms. Milk, however, you know where you stand with milk. Yeah, they're, they're wonderful little things. Just imagine a common earthworm. But with teats, my friend. At last, it's payback time. I'm imagining you will have to keep your new milky sheets in the fridge in between each night you sleep in them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very difficult to weave a blanket out of milk. We are trying. We are trying. You can get the knitting needles in, no problem. But it's finding some purchase. Right now, so far, I think we're less of a garment factory and just more of a... I mean, we're whisking, to be honest. We're making cream. Have you tried putting them in the freezer on, like, sort of sheets? And, you know, they're not going to be terribly flexible, but you can probably get some knitting needles to, to get some purchase in them that way. We tried, but we just ended up accidentally making milkmaids. Do you remember milkmaids? Oh, yeah. The little lollipops that were sort of disgusting, but you got them anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we basically just made a bunch of milkmaids. And, and then I stamped on it a bit, and then we had some, we made some funny foots. Do you remember funny foots? I don't know what funny foots are. Then I got some Marmite and some Sick, and I mixed that in with some of the milk, and I made a Zoom bar, because that was just brown with different colours, wasn't it? Do you remember Zoom bars or not? Was that the sort of cola lolly things? No, it was, it was sort of... Twirly ones, no? It was sort of chocolate, and then add all sorts of other colours all swirled into it. It's quite good. Do you remember Fab or not? Oh, no, Fabs. Fabs. We've still got Fabs. Fabs still exist. Smashy and Nicey used to do commercials for them. I don't know who Smashy and Nicey are. Smashy and Nicey were two characters uh, played by Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse. Uh, it was one of their, their first famous characters before, you know, Far Show took off and Harry Enfield and Chums took off and they had their own uh, nationwide beloved characters. So that's where I'm at today. How is everyone else? I had a nap before recording and I woke up. There's a couple of minutes where I'm like, am I going to sound drunk on the podcast because I am still kind of half asleep and I feel a bit out of it? And then I passed through it. I'm great now. I've got all this podcasting energy. I'm good to go. You should have gotten drunk before you recorded to even it out. I think what happens is if you wake up tired, if you take a couple shots, you actually come out more sober than you are sober. Ah, I'm glad to learn this logic for the next time I have to take a pre-work nap. Yeah, that's what my dad used to tell me, and he should know, because he had a Harley Davidson. I was out at the uh, beer store last night. <laughs> buying beer? <laughs> buying beer. Brilliant. Oh. And while I was buying beer, I found that Pabst Blue Ribbon has a hard cold brew. Oh, you mentioned this last night when we did Dice Funk. How did that go? <laughs> it's fine. Like... It's okay. Oh, would you say it's the, the Hades of beer? <laughs> no, no. Hades is better than this. <laughs> well, there we are. That's something. This can be consumed. I'm capable of consuming it. Someone else tried one and made it two sips and said, no, thank you. This is not happening for me. So I'm drinking one right now because I've been awake for like 45 minutes and got almost no sleep anyway. So, you know, we're all kind of... We're all on an energy today. We're all to the winds here. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to let the podcast winds blow and take us where they take us. I'm all right. I'm fine. You're fine? Well... <laughs> 
Every second spent conscious is another second spent in searing agony, but other than that... Well, I say that, today's been merciful somewhat. I'm glad. I was able to put rubbish in a rubbish bag, so that's good. Progress. You built a Lego today. You played with your Mysterio Legos. I built a Lego. It's suitable for ages four and up. And up, as you rightly pointed out, so this is the perfect scam. You are indeed ages four and up. Yep. Therefore, you're good. Damn right. Plus, you completed it within a day. You didn't take four years or longer to complete it, so you're covered on that ground too. That's true. I didn't make the Spider-Man helicopter that came with it. Fuck, fuck that. I made the Mysterio mech, right? Okay. Oh, mech. I thought you said neck. The Mysterio mech. I thought you said the Mysterio neck just his neck. It's a mech. It's a fucking big tank body with giant arms with claws and little, like, tread wheels and a giant dome that's like Mysterio's head and then Mysterio's inside it. It's pretty cool and it should have been in the film. Why wasn't a giant... Why wasn't a Mysterio Dreadnought in uh, Far From Home? That's what I want to know. Where did my tax dollars go? They could put it in the sequel, maybe. Maybe he's back and he's got a mech this time. Yeah. Far From Squeakquel... No, Home is the bit they carry on. <laughs> Squeakquel Home. Uh, yeah, they can do that. And I'd like that very much. I've put it on my Mysterio... People call it a shrine and that sounds creepy. I prefer to call it my Mysterio Museum. I've put it into the Mysterio Collection, largest in Philly. And it's holding a little spider Gwen that came with the set. Oh, you get your value for your money. Yeah. You get the Mysterio Dreadnought. You get a Spider-Man helicopter. You get webs. Sure. And you get a Spider-Man and a, a Spider-Gwen and Mysterio. And a Mysterio Lego figure, let me tell you, is quite adorable. That does sound like you have gotten your money's worth out of that. Yeah. Well worth investing in being ages four and up. Can recommend. And I got it with wall hangers so I can put things on my wall. So I did something responsible at the same time. <gasps> Ooh, fancy. <laughs> you know what else is a responsible thing to do when you have a video game podcast? Talk Shit about into video a straw games. Ha- oh. Okay. Well, I mean that too, but we don't usually televise that we're doing that. No. It's usually our little secret. I like to assume that the audience has always known on some level that that's what I do very slowly throughout the entirety of the podcast. In order to make it last that long, I do need one of those Play-Doh factory stencils. <laughs> This week it's star shape. <laughs> so, who's played a video game this week they want to talk about? <laughs> I've been watching you two play video games all the time on your Twitch channels. Fuck talking about, like, video games proper normal. Let's talk about video games in a self-serving way, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because first of all, right, Conrad won't put himself over. He has a go at me. Mm. And, and he is worse than me in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what it said in the podcast notes for the podcast for like a couple of weeks till you noticed. No one has to make him humble pie. He cooks it for himself and he sticks crows in it. <laughs> They're delicious. High fiber. Yeah. And so I, I, I looked at the post on Podquisition because Conrad posts them now um, and does timestamps and that because he's professional, like, unlike me. And he, he puts on the link for Laura. Like, you know, look at Laura's book is good, which it is, by the way. <laughs> and, and other book come in, which is good, Ars is. And Patreon, patreon.com slash Laura K Buzz, right? That pays the bills. See, I remember all this. Yeah. He's put all that down. And then for Conrad's, he's put, uh, <laughs> he's put, uh, so I've, I wrote it and I've put it in. And that's, that's part of the boilerplate now. Yeah. And both of these fuckos, right, listener, have been streaming all the time and they're pretty damn good. And we've been hanging out on each other's streams. And you should probably get in on that action because it's a real fun time. If you come along to one of our streams, at least one of the others will probably be around chatting in the chat because apparently that's what we do now. (laughs) i got no friends. Since I've discovered Twitch, it's very much like I found my own... uh, Like, like imagine a social life created by Mysterio. (laughs) That's what I've done. And you could have that too because if you're listening to this, let's face it, you're desperate come by our twitch channels hey yeah mondays wednesdays and fridays you can check out conrad at 7 p.m uk 
2 p.m. Eastern, yeah. uh, 11 a.m. Pacific. I think I've got your times right. Yep, that's right. Yep. And then I stream after Conrad at 10 p.m. UK, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm that Conrad Zimmerman on Twitch, and Laura is Laura K. Buzz. We've been playing so much Hades. And Jim is Jim Sterling. I'm Jim Sterling on, on Twitch. I do it. I don't have a set schedule, although more and more it's sort of forming around sort of 10 a.m. Eastern yeah. um, on certain days. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been trying to get ahead of, of Conrad's stream so I can lead into his and then he can lead into Laura's. We've had some lovely days where it's gone Jim stream, Conrad stream, Laura stream all back to back. That's so much content for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Monday was acquisition value palooza because <laughs> you had Jimquisition in the morning, right? Too hot for Reddit. Let's not forget, Reddit games won't post it. <laughs> fucking CD Projekt Red fucking circle jerk, right? You had that in the morning. Then... I went on the, the, the Twitch, Twitch TV Jim Sterling, and played Hades, which was good, and people enjoyed it, and I showed my Street Sharks animation cells. Oh, they're on acetate. So that was good. And then we went straight on to Conrad, and then I was in it. No, no, that was on Friday. I was in the chat. Yep. And then he went straight on to Laura. And it was all hanging out, and it was fucking great. Yeah. Yep. And often we'll all get together and chat on the stream live. You can't fucking handle what we do. So that's a pretty common occurrence, too. So it's worth it to run the spread on us, I guess, is what I'm saying. Thanks for subscribing, Mindfunk513. It was there 30 minutes ago. Mm. <laughs> Good shout out. Yeah. I mean, if you do it when I'm not streaming, I normally will miss you, but I saw that. So, hey. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, we do that. Yeah. And we play Hades. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> Which, again, is a great game. I need to, to stress that. <laughs> so At some point, I might take a break to stream some Fall Guys, but I was sure that when Fall Guys Season 2 happened, I was going to jump on it. But I'm like, mmm, Hades, though. Mm, Hades. On Friday, I realized that there were three days left in the season. Yes. And I, I hadn't finished the season. I was two <laughs> levels away. And so I played on the stream on Friday and that was fun. And I want a crown or two, maybe. I don't know. When are you going to stream more Spelunky? I do need to stream more Spelunky. So I don't want to shout over you, but I love, I genuinely love watching you do Spelunky. Yeah, I need to, I need to do more of that. I need to play less Hades because I'm, I'm not really getting anywhere in that. But yeah, and then Sunday rolled around at like 10 p.m. and it occurred to me, oh shit, <laughs> I still have Two levels left to get in Fall Guys to finish the season. Did you get them? No, fuck. I, I played like five rounds <laughs> and said, screw this. It's not happening. I'm not going to spend, you know, four hours getting these last two <laughs> levels. It's not happening. See, I'm sticking with that Hades streaming because I've finally gotten into the groove and started getting good at Hades this week. I have defeated Hades three times, one of which was on stream. Ooh. I'm getting good. Since last week, I took your advice, Jim, and started using the casts more oh, often. Oh, they're good. It has made a world of difference because, like, as I said last week, the base cast, absolute shit. Don't care about it. Did not see the appeal of it. Oh, yeah, it's rubbish. And that's why I hadn't been picking up any of the casts. I was like, oh, why would I want to do this? This doesn't feel like it fits in with my playstyle. I swear by Demeter's ice crystals that fire the lasers. A lot of people misunderstand those crystals because people are like, enemies don't stay still long enough and stuff like that. And aside from the fact that you can get an upgrade to make it track faster, yeah. uh, which I think you need a duo with Artemis for it. Yes. If you treat it like a lump sum damage attack and drop all three at once, yes. it's going to hit something and fuck its day up. There's also like strategic uses for it that are really really oh, strong yeah, for yeah. enemies that move in certain ways like the minotaur it's brutal on the minotaur because you can just drop them and dash back and forth within the line and he's going to land in it and take more damage yeah anything that follows you you can you can manipulate them it's also great for shielded enemies as well like theseus because it forces them to point their shield at the ice laser mm -hmm. and makes it much easier for you to get around the back and start attacking them where they're not defended stupid theseus right up his bum. It's the fucking worst. Kick him right on his bum hole. See, Theseus is the worst. I find Theseus a lot less bad now that I have my Gilgamesh punch gloves. You're very fond of the... I, I tried them last night. Oh, I like I like them. I unlocked <laughs> them during your stream, right at the end. I gave them a go. 
I see where you like them. They're very immediately tactile satisfying. <laughs> yeah. I'm sticking with Talos, though. The one that sucks enemies in. The slightly magnetised uppercut. Yeah. Unlike you two rude assholes, I don't play video games while we do this because someone's got to take it seriously. Hey, I don't play video games while we do this. I mean, I have done in the past, but I'm not doing so at the moment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would be playing Hades right now while we do this, but it started to exacerbate my carpal tunnel. Oh, no. Uh, and I was playing it this morning a bit. I just woke up. I'm real rested. And it was getting hard to hit the button fast enough without, mm. like feeling injurious and then i had a thought uh -oh. i have fight sticks here <laughs> and this is not a game that requires dual analog you're right mm -hmm. oh this would be really nice on a stick wouldn't it you would think that no is it not you would probably be wrong i think there might be a way for me to bend it to my will, but there are so many independent button commands. Like, I'm not sure where I'm going to place on this fight stick reload, because it's the right thumb stick, and it, it won't allow you to assign the same function within the game to, you know, or assign multiple functions to a same button. Right? Okay. Because if I could just have interact and reload on the same button, who fucking cares? Yeah. Because it's not going to be an issue if I need to reload. Yeah. I can hit the interact button because I'm not going to be interacting with something. But I need that interact button only to recover from poison. Yes. Right? But I need it then. Yeah. So it's, it's shit like that. I think it might be possible, and I'd really like to try it, because if I can find something comfortable with that, that'd be a real game changer for me. Yeah, but yeah, I've been getting my good runs in against Hades. Like, the secret has been, there's a really nice boon that when you have run out of death defiances, you get slow health recovery. Mm. Oh, yes. If you compare that with dropping the ice crystals that track faster and inflict frost, it allows you to play really defensively against Hades, where you're just sort of like, drop the crystals, back away to a safe distance, build that health back up, play a bit more aggressively once the health's somewhere safer, pair that with Dionysus punches and the Gilgamesh gloves that do multiple, multiple dashes back to back. If you've got the dash deflect, you can get in, get your punches and get mm, out really safely. And I'm up to heat level three and I'm still coping all right with it. Nice. So yeah, I'm really digging the narrative stuff that goes on once you've defeated Hades more than once. Yeah, I mean, some of the storylines now have taken on the appearance of a soap opera where I'm, I'm tuning in like I would to an episode of EastEnders just to find out, like, who's getting involved romantically with who or, like, why is this person trying to stop me seeing this person? And, and it's some of it's just day-to-day -day shit. And I like how the relationships between characters and the relationship between Zagreus and the very nature of what he's doing has changed so dramatically as time's gone on. Mm. I won't obviously go into spoilers, but it's just, it, it evolves way beyond what you'd expect a video game to evolve narratively. I'm continually impressed by how this thing's still got more. I cleared run 100 last night. Wow. I am now on run 101. I paused it because, God, it's a really good run so far. I think I'm on like run 27, 28. I think I'm in the 30s somewhere. I'm still learning stuff. I didn't know there was a bunch of outcroppings you could stand on to see lovely little vistas of the areas you were in. Yeah, the the beginning of each floor has a yeah, little thing to look at. Yeah, I didn't realise those existed and they're real nice. I didn't know there was that one fan of yours in the arena fight with Theseus <laughs> mm. that you can go to. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm continually um, impressed by the fact I am on, you know, 100, 101 runs and there's plenty. I've got plenty to be getting on with. I think I've nailed down though. I was thinking about this, Conrad, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like some of your issue with Hades, the, the bits you do take issue with, mirror exactly your issues with Binding of Isaac in its modern state. Mm. Huh. I, I do totally understand because given the type, like, certain games on the way they do them, I'd be overwhelmed by the sheer amount of stuff. Yeah. It's just I'm very fortunate in that this stuff it's got and the way it's doing it is exactly what I'm all about. Right. Well, and there's always a risk with these kinds of, of games that expand out the offerings so vastly that the randomization factor makes it that much harder to build a build you want as opposed to, you know, just building the best build you can build out of the 
circumstances Mm -hmm. and it can get really broad i haven't had that be a problem necessarily in hades at this point but it's something i'm wary of i've had a couple where i'm just recently actually where i've just felt like i'm not getting many boons at all and when i get them they're like really not suitable it's happened a couple times Mm -hmm. Um, but even then I can eke something out of it most of the time. Sure. And, you know, it's it's usually a problem if it's a weapon I'm not good with. Like, if it's the bow and arrow or the gloves, mm-hmm. I will have issues. Because I love those weapons. I love every weapon. But those two, I'm, they're my weakest ones. I don't know. That, the long tail of these games can get to be both overwhelming and, and sort of hard to manage. And then it gets, you know, you get frustrated because you're not getting things that feel necessarily effective. But it is one of the benefits of this game's approach to progression. Yeah. Is that, yeah, you'll always feel like you're gaining something if that progression is your goal. Yeah. If that's the thing you're really interested in about the game is unlocking new stuff and so forth. But I'm generally not that way. I try to find the thing that works for me. Yeah. And I fine tune that skill as much as possible. So these progression systems actually actively work against the way I like to play these games. And that's why Dead Cells introducing the custom mode made me want to go back to that game again because I started a second save file designed specifically around not unlocking anything I wouldn't want to use. Yes. That is one thing that Dead Cells definitely has over this is once you know what everything does and what you do and don't like, you can actively ensure that you never have to deal with the things you don't like because you just never unlock them. And that is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, who's played other things this week? Uh, Has anyone played Crash Bandicoot 4? It's about time. I've played a little bit of it. I haven't played it much. I got it. I was impressed with, with how similar it felt to the originals. Then remembered, I was fucking dreadful at the originals and in a way that really pissed me off. So I haven't gotten far. It's a good game. It's going to be very enjoyable to people who really love the old crashes. And I've got a fondness for them, but my God, they irritate the piss out of me. It is 100% a new crash game for people who like the old crash games and are going to go, oh, heck, this is new modern content that feels very familiar and hits my nostalgia buttons. It's great for that. I'm in a similar position to you that I was always more Mario than Crash. And every time I go, oh, yeah, this feels good. I'll get a few levels in and go, oh, I remember why I never fell head over heels for the Crash franchise. The old 3D mascot platformers, like, I don't even like Mario 64 all that much. Uh, I know that's something of a criminal thing to say, but then again, I said that CDPR could stand to improve, so I'm already persona non grata among the gamers, but I never even got on with that much. I never liked... I was a snob at, like, how... I was a little baby, and I was still a fucking snob about the move to 3D graphics because they looked shit compared to what was going on on the SNES and the uh, Sega Mega Drive, right? Mm. And they played like arse, most of them. Yep. Croc Legend of the fucking Gobbos. I actually liked Croc. Croc was a good example of 3D at the time. That's the horrifying bit. It was one of the better ones. The only one that was like proper any cop and it's reflected in the recent remaster of it is Spyro. Spyro's yeah. In fact, all mascot platformers should have four-legged protagonists. They're a lot better. Although, to Crash Falls credit, and it can be toggled off for the true hardcore gamers who don't want hand-holding and pandering and everything except all of the hand-holding and pandering they want socially, right, is you've got a little circle under your character when they jump so you can see where they're going to land. Mm. And that's pretty good for a 3D platformer, especially one that's emulating the older styles of games. Yeah. Crash has always been one of those games that, like, I feel like the way Crash Bandicoot levels are designed deliberately doesn't give you enough visual input about what's coming up. And often I feel like I'm dying because, oh, I just didn't see that was coming up because, you know, we're going sideways or the camera's a bit too pulled in or for some reason there's a level where you've got to run towards the camera, which is the fucking bane of my existence. And it just, (laughs) it doesn't feel like it does a great job of communicating, here is what is after 
the jump you are immediately doing. Yeah. I found it a little, like, loose in places. And the camera was a little bit... Like, there was one area where I was, like, in a, a an indent in the wall. And the platform, the, the next ledge was outside it. And I just jumped out and just cleared the ledge and jumped more or less towards the camera. And it just, it felt really disorienting. But I think that's just, again, just part of my issue with, with some of these 3D platformers is I just suck at them. <laughs> I mean, that's most of the time when we hate a game, that's why, which is, yeah. we suck. I, I push back on that. <laughs> I know, I'm being silly. I know, but some of the people fucking take it serious. Yeah, no. I, I like many games that I suck at, but I don't like this. I don't like the way I suck at this. I frequently get told if I don't like a game, it's because I suck at it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think I only ever played like a demo of Crash 2 uh -huh. that came on a PlayStation demo disc and immediately knew that the game just wasn't ever going to be for me. Yeah, it's the game that I played around other people's houses who had a PlayStation rather than an N64. I was like, uh, I guess I'll play this. It's no Mario, but fine. The first level was on a demo, and back then, like, especially people in my um, financial bracket, we lived off demos. Sure. Demo discs were great. And I feel like I would like other games in that style of the sort of fixed, you know, behind camera, running through forward you know like almost 3d world runner type shit yeah but i don't like that yeah. didn't like it and i i will you know again point out it's a good game i believe that i believe you when you say that because it managed to successfully spawn a franchise people connected to it yeah i don't see it crash has never been the character for me but i can see that this is a well-made game yeah Conrad, what have you been playing this week? Uh, I mean, apart from Hades, I did play a little bit of Blaster Master Zero, because I saw it was on sale in the Switch store, because I picked up my Switch for some reason. Ooh, mm. I love my Switch. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's yeah. good. It's it's good. It's a good little machine. I'm glad I got mine set up for streaming, because I do a lot more gaming on that. You know what's not particularly good? Mm. Blaster Master? Is Blaster Master not good? Just generally speaking, Blaster Master's not good. And I know this. <laughs> like, this is a thing I'm aware of. It's never really been good. It's marginally better Fester's Quest. Right. Like, it's got the cool platformer stuff that I would love to play all the time. And then it makes me play Fester's Quest. And I'm angry. <laughs> and Blaster Master Zero has some, you know, kind of nice quality of life changes to it yeah you know it, it's upgraded the approach to weapons and so forth a little bit but you're still doing that upgrade downgrade bullshit so you lose weapon power every time you take a fucking hit yeah sounds like a disaster master blaster disaster either or either way yeah so yeah it, it still has that sort of central Feature or problem? I don't hmm. know how you feel about something like that. That aspect to it that has always just driven me fucking batshit about this yeah. series. I had to go check and I didn't find anywhere that said explicitly that Blaster Master Zero was a like remake of the original one. But damn, it, it feels super familiar in just about everything I'm fucking doing. It's, I, I can't help but feel like it's just rebuilt the old stage, which is fine. Whatever. Yeah. And yet, I kind of want to play Blaster Master Zero 2. <laughs> yeah. There's something so charming about the setting of Blaster Master <laughs> and the visual design. And it does control really well in that platforming stuff. Again, the top-down thing is crap. It's always been crap. Why do they keep putting it in? For you... For your pleasures. Oh, if it weren't like four directional movement or, you know, just like there's so many better ways yeah. to make that now. Write a letter. I should. I should write a letter. They'd be very angry when they don't change it <laughs> on my demand. Yeah. I mean, look, right? You've got feedback. Write a sternly worded but respectful like letter. Dear Blaster Master Zero people, cut it out. Love Conrad. <laughs> I tell you the game, the way you started talking about Blaster Master, I tell you the game that's like that for me, the one where I have picked it up and exchanged monies for it on more than one occasion, <laughs> even though it's shit and I know it's shit uh -huh. and I've never gotten past the first few fucking screens of it is bloody another world. Oh, oh God, I was just playing that last night, actually. Utter 
trash. I just booted it up. I had exactly the same fucking experience. I despise it. And yet I've given it more chances than Mass Effect. Sometimes it's just going to be like that. Like, I want to boot this game back up and this time it will be a better game. They'll have fixed it or something. I think I finally like hit my limit with it. I don't <laughs> think I'm ever going to do another world again, even if it was on Switch. I bet it's on Switch. That thing gets everywhere. It's like lime scale. I'm pretty sure I cleared the original. Why? At some point. Because, you know, I was a teenager. Oh. And could afford to do that. Yeah, And yeah. hadn't yet been ground down so much by life that this sort of repetitive death nonsense that feels so random. Let me ask you a question. Would you have played Another World? If you knew, like, where we'd be, would you have used that time you had? Oh, God. I mean, I might have just bought a gun. <laughs> That's the thing that, you know, in all these scenarios where it's like, you know, if I could travel back in time and tell myself this thing, you know, I know that I'd ask questions about what the future is like, and I know that I'd tell me, and then I know that I'd probably kill myself just to prevent dealing with it. Jim, I did check. Another world is on Switch because of course it is. <sighs> oh, fucking hell. Lime scale. God damn it. I fucking, oh, God. How dare they? <sighs> Why don't they put fucking... What was it on Switch? Darkness? Was it Heart of Darkness? The, 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 that one. Oh, 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 wait, hang on. Heart of Darkness is a 2D platformer, yeah. also kind of in the vein of Another World, I think, that was on PlayStation 1. Yeah, that one. And it had like 3D glasses that, that shipped with it. I didn't know that bit. Yeah. I, I was playing it second hand. Skull Monkeys, where's that? Why does Another World keep getting all the fucking shots? <laughs> Thanks to Dennis Dyack, allegedly, I just heard this second hand. That's why we don't get fucking Legacy of Cain the Blood Omen on it. Mm. The other ones? Mm. The other one, the ones that people actually like? <laughs> really? Dyack's holding that up? I don't know. I think maybe Silicon Knights is involved somewhere in that process. Oh, man. Either way, Silicon Knights made X-Men Destiny, so that's the worst thing that anyone's ever done in the industry, <laughs> really. I got into a thing this week. Did you? Yeah, I found something I was willing to play for more than an hour that wasn't Hades. Holy fuck. Yeah, right? I don't think such things exist anymore. I played a couple of hours of Mario 35. Oh, brilliant. Do you want to know how long I spent playing it? I know from the topic list. Do you want to tell everyone? Two minutes. Yeah, not for you? Yeah, I mean, clearly you've put a lot more into it than me. <laughs> so if you don't mind, let me just quickly get my thoughts out the way, right? Oh, go ahead. It's just Mario, right? I'm not in the mood to play the NES Mario for the thousandth time. No. That is fair. My feelings on this are a lot more like the way I felt about NES Remix, mm. which was that game where they took a bunch of old NES games and were like, what if we just shuffled them around a bit? Maybe this Mario level has no gravity. What if this Mario level, everything's ice and moving backwards at double speed? It was a nice little collection of modded uh, ROMs, yeah. Yeah, and this, to me, has that kind of feel, having put a couple of hours in. At its core, yes, it is the original Super Mario Brothers. It is mixed in with a little bit of that Tetris 99, you've got your right stick to target specific other players in this Battle Royale style. You can go for whoever's got the most coins, which is probably the players in the best position, like try and knock out the best competition. You can go for whoever's got the least time, which is probably get rid of people faster. Or you can go for people who are attacking you at the moment to try and defend yourself. And it's basically every time you knock an enemy off the screen, it goes to someone else's screen. They have a worse time. You've got a counter going down, which gets faster the fewer people there are in the map, and the only way to build time back up on the clock is to be knocking out enemies. I think they've done some really clever stuff to incentivize riskier kinds of play and to disincentivize just doing the easiest path through. You have some choice about which levels you end up going to as you're playing. If you just stick on level 1-1, all you're going to send to other people's games are Goombas. That's not going to slow them down, probably. Game's going to go on forever, you're not going to have a good time. You are incentivized to opt to keep moving forward to harder levels because you then get to send worse things to other players and you're going to fuck up their day a bit more. In terms of your power-ups, like your uh, fire flowers, for example, safest way to take out enemies. You get rewarded with less time on the clock if you knock out an enemy using fire flowers than you do if you go and jump on them manually. Let's say you're in the final 10 people. The clock is going down fast enough that getting double the amount of time by going and jumping on them is often worth the risk of I might take a hit. 
I like that they've got an incentive to still be going after coins, even though they're not materially getting rid of enemies or adding time to the clock. If you collect 20 coins, you can basically roll a slot machine and get a random power-up, which can be really useful if you've taken a couple of bad hits. You can sort of save some emergency, like, I'm in a bad spot, let's get a Mm power-up. I really like the pacing of it. Games of it do start, here is regular Mario with a handful of extra enemies in it. That's as far as I got, and then I got bored. Yeah. If you stick with it, once you get to the point where you're like regularly getting to say the final five people, it starts being a considerably more remixed experience. Well, I'll be like, okay, I've looped back to World 1 1. Oh shit, there's like six Bowsers here. Fuck, what do I do? Six Bowsers? That's too many Bowsers. That's too many Bowsers. That's a silly amount of Bowsers, if you, if you ask me. Yeah. I hope you've saved up enough coins to maybe get a PAL block so you can get rid of them, otherwise you can have a real bad time. Yeah, here's the thing, right? That's worse. That's worse than where I started with not wanting to play regular NES Mario. (laughs) You've made it less palatable for me. Don't get me wrong. More palatable for many other people, but but now I'm I I realised that I was right to go back to Hades, which, if I'm perfectly <laughs> honest, is why I've not got much patience with other games. That's fair. Hades, infinitely better game. I'm not going to say this is better than Hades. I played a couple of hours and got a couple of first places and was like, yeah, I feel like I got this and I had a good time. I'll probably come back to it once I'm done with Hades. Yeah. I wish Nintendo did more stuff like this. Mm-hmm. I wish they did more stuff like NES remakes. I wish they did more of this sort of look. Just take a property we already have that mechanically works, mix it up in some weird way so that you can have a few hours of, ah, that's a novel way of interacting with that thing I have nostalgia for. I'm a big fan of that. And I I think like this kind of stuff is what they should be doing with their back catalogue. Not just here is that game from three and a half decades ago now, play it again. Just go like, no, you have nostalgia for it. Let's make it something new. Well, that's, that's a lot of fun until March. Yes. I don't know why the fuck they're taking it away in March. Why would you do this? Because they're Nintendo. (sighs) They're Nintendo. It's all a marketing gimmick. Yeah. But I mean, it's a fun marketing gimmick while it's here. Oh, hold on. One, One moment. I've got a sponsorship thing. I've got to run here. One second. Worms with teats. Worms with teats, <laughs> using their fluids for milk and sheets. So I just had to get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll be lucky and they'll do what they did with Jump Rope Challenge, oh. where they were going to take it away and then went, you know what? You can keep Jump Rope Challenge. I played Jump Rope Challenge once. Yeah. I'd love to do it again, but I never will because I'm horrid. But it, it's it's <laughs> such a fun little thing to be free and everything and just a cute little rabbit if you've not done jump rope challenge right it's literally just jump rope you get the joy cons and you jump up and down and wobble them you could just sit there and wobble them what's the fucking point you'd be lying to the rabbit there's a rabbit on the screen doing it with you (laughs) yeah you can't lie to the rabbit the rabbit's cute if you lie to a cute little rabbit in a cute little dress right i'm gonna punch you in the neck (laughs) (laughs) did either of you play anything else this week i don't know did i put something else down I don't think I did. You put down Rogue Company. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I played Rogue Company for slightly longer than I played Mario 35. (laughs) That's the definition of too little too late. I don't know if you've seen any of this, right? It's that thing that was on a Nintendo Direct that looked a bit like a generic third-person shooter. Was it by chance? It's a generic third-person shooter. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it's basically like it's a four-on-four hero-type shooter. That's like you parachute in like Fortnite just because that's what you do in Fortnite. And then you play like a really shitty third person Overwatch. I mean, I say really shitty. It's it's not really shitty. It's just so bargain basement bare bones. Mm. One of those things where you, you think, why does this exist? Because it's not going to go anywhere. Does anyone remember Bleeding Edge? <laughs> Oh, God, Bleeding Edge. Came out this year. So did the Avengers. It came out a few weeks ago, basically. (sighs) I played, like, a little bit of some other things that I want to come back to when I have more time. Mm -hmm. Just because I wanted to get a feel of, is this interesting enough that I should remember to come back to it? I played a little bit of BPM, which is Bullets Per Minute. Nice. This is a music rhythm first-person shooter. What if Doom, but you had to shoot and reload in tempo with the rhythm and dodge attacks in tempo with the rhythm? 
It is a roguelike. It has randomized sort of dungeon layouts to go through. It is a lot of fun, but even on easy mode, it is really fucking difficult. It expects you to be very good at first person shooters whilst also being very good at music rhythm and doing the two at the same time. And I've made it a couple of floors deep. I don't think I am talented enough to play this game, but on those early couple of levels where it isn't too hard yet, it feels really fucking satisfying. Mm. The soundtrack is great. It's some very satisfying metal. The first boss, when I killed it, it was just hanging in the air and the soundtrack had stopped and I was like, what's going on? So I shot it again and like the guitar comes in for another big power chord and it's like, oh shit, I'm power cording the end of this song by shooting the thing up there. Oh, that's cute. It leans into its whole mechanic really well. It does everything to the beat as well. Like some of the stuff that feels really satisfying is you've got your regular jump and you've got your dash. But if you do like a jump and then a second jump on the offbeat, you can do a double jump. You've got to sort of hit it on the two beats. You can get multiple dashes in if you're getting them consistently on the beat. You've got so much movement options if you can chain things properly on the beat. When I'm good at it, I feel amazing. I am not good enough at it to make much progress and I suspect that's going to be a thing because I'm just not good at first person shooters. It sounds really, really edifying. It is really satisfying. I would recommend giving it a go. It reminds me of Tetris Effect in some ways where it does a really good job of making everything I do gameplay wise feel very tied into the soundtrack. I'm having a look at it now. Yeah. Because I don't think I've heard, I don't think this is the one I heard of the other month. There's been a few games with this sort of idea that have been talked about over the last couple of months that it seems like the idea that everyone's trying to get out at the moment. This music's really good. Yeah, right? It's got a real good, yeah, real good tune. If Roguelike Doom was a music rhythm game. What all is this on? Just PC. I think it's just PC at the moment. Is it anywhere else? I've been playing it on PC. Hmm. I might need to get in on this. This looks really good. Yeah, I'm not good at it, but I can see that it's fantastic. Oh, it is on consoles apparently as well. It's on PS4 and Xbox One. Hmm. The other thing I've started playing, and I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, is The Solitaire Conspiracy, which is a new Mike Bithell game that is solitaire, but what if the suits that you have in solitaire had special abilities and also it's about crimes happening. There's There's a plot and stuff. It's interesting. I feel really weird that, like, playing it, I couldn't stop thinking about playing Frog Fractions 3 the other month, where they had a gag that was solitaire, but you had Magic the Gathering cards in the deck. This is that. This is that trying to take itself seriously. It is, what if, like, the diamonds in your solitaire game could rearrange the stack so that the highest value cards are at the top and the lowest are at the bottom? Or what if the clubs could make it so that you put them on a stack and whatever card you next need for your piles, that surfaces up to the top. And mechanically, it fixes the biggest problem with Solitaire, which is frequently Solitaire games are incompletable. You can put a huge amount of time into a game of Solitaire and just go, I've backed myself into an impossible corner. This gives you a lot more ability to go, I've put myself in an unwinnable corner, let me use an ability to shuffle things about. It makes Solitaire a more consistently completable game. It's like when people try and make new versions of chess and ultimately they feel slightly cluttered. Right. It's like there's a very good core game and there's a lot of extra things going on and I don't think any of them is quite as clearly polished as the base game underneath it. I think that's the risk when you get these these old classic games. Yeah. They're, they're so perfectly constructed as straightforward as they can be. Yeah. So, yeah, when you add to it, it, it does gunk up the works. I'm not like convinced that this won't be something I can enjoy, Mm -hmm. but I was not immediately grabbed as like, ah, this is the new perfect way to play Solitaire. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're doing something different and I will come back to this, I'll play more of it. It's an interesting concept. Maybe it's because I'm on easy early levels and right now the powers feel a little bit superfluous and not necessarily needed half the time, Yeah, but I'm intrigued enough that I'm gonna come back to it once I've got Hades at my system. Here's the thing, you're not playing Solitaire properly if you're not playing it on Windows 95 or earlier. You've done it wrong. Solitaire is a game that's meant to be played when you really should be doing something else and you're probably gonna lose anyway and you're wasting your time, but you just need something to do. On Windows 95, these days you've got phones. Yeah. These days you can look at TMZ on your phone to get all the hot goss. (laughs) 
Like whether or not Renee Zellweger is wearing a milkworm milken jacket. Maybe she is. Maybe that rumor's floating around. Maybe that rumor came from someone in the entertainment industry, someone who may have been on MTV's Road Rules in 1998. <laughs> who knows? We got some bits of gaming news this week. What? Yeah, we got some gaming news. Fucking hell. We got a quick one and then one that I think is probably going to be a bit of a bigger story. Okay. Quick one to get out of the way. There's this game called Genshin Impact that people have been playing. It's a bit of a clone of Breath of the Wild. You can't use the word Taiwan in the game yeah. or the word Kong as in Hong Kong because the game is made in China. I downloaded that game on my phone. I was going to get it on PS4, but you can't cross save on that. So fuck it. I'll go play it on PC and my phone until it comes out on Switch. It's not a bad little game. Yeah. My fr- well, my friend Arnie's been playing it and has been talking about it a lot. So I was going to get it then and then i heard about this and also there's some like gacha shit in there as well yeah here's what the game is for anyone who doesn't know is it's essentially a mobile gacha game but they put an actual competent game in there so like the game wants you to do the whole like you know click on the button to get the anime waifu that you can have in your team but there's also a fairly competent breath of the wild clone in there that you can play which is more effort than these usually go to that's a lot of effort yeah i heard like like it opens up when you build up like a party of characters and you swap out. Yeah. And that sounds interesting for that sort of game. Yeah. The game that is in there is not a bad game, but also yeah, it's made by a Chinese developer who won't let you acknowledge Hong Kong or Taiwan exist. Jesus Christ. Actual video game censorship, people. No, that's not politics. That's something else. That's a shame. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of them situations where you, you don't know if you necessarily can, you know, point the finger at the developer. No. no. Who most likely are having to fucking deal with that shit. But it is the situation that it is. But it is a shame. Yeah. But I'm, I'm interested in it for sure. It's worth giving the game a look. Obviously it's got that gacha shit in there which is for some people going to be a deal breaker, don't touch it. That makes sense. Yeah, this will be one of them games I could see myself playing until I feel that tug and then I'd have to stop. Exactly. But like, it's Breath of the Wild but you've got a party of four people. They all look different but they broadly fall into, are they a male attacker or are they a magic user or are they a bow person and do they have fire or electric or ice on their weapon? Oh, it's like that WWE game where Mandy Rose has the same fucking moveset as the fiend Bray Wyatt. (laughs) They'll usually have a different special, but it's basically one of the movesets and one of the element types. Yeah. But beyond that, it's just aesthetic. Well, again, I mean, in Breath of the Wild, you only play as one character, so... Exactly. I'm not saying Genshin Impact is better than... Breath of the Wild, but it certainly <laughs> fucking sounds like it. You'd give it a 28 out of 10, is what you're saying. Well, you know, I mean, I don't like to put numbers on my scores, but yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> The other news story we had this week, and you're going to be surprised, you're going to be shocked, it's going to be out of left field. You're not going to see it coming, both of you. I hope you're ready. One in four Ubisoft employees have seen or witnessed misconduct at work, an internal staff survey reveals. Yes. Now, there is more to it. I've got a couple of little paragraphs from a story on The Verge here that I think are important context for it. So, an anonymous staff survey was undertaken at Ubisoft by 14,000 employees. It revealed that 20% of staff don't feel respected or safe in the workplace. That is a ridiculously high number. 25% of respondents reported that they had either experienced or witnessed workplace misconduct. According to The Verge, the survey, the results of which were shared alongside a letter from Eve Guillermo, identified that women and non-binary employees in particular were more likely to have experienced harassment. This is just the numbers of people who will admit on an internal company survey that this has happened. These are the people who can speak. Who feel safe enough to say yes on a survey and are not too worried that it's going to come back to them. Well, I mean, who knows how many of them actually have spoken out and just been ignored by human resources in that company before. Yeah. 20% of Ubisoft employees don't feel safe or respected in the workplace. That is a horrific number. I mean... And let's let's just say right off the bat, okay, this that's 14,000 yeah. employees surveyed, meaning there are 2,800 people working at this company who do not feel safe there. 2,800 people! That we know of. Well, yeah. And to add to that figure, let's not forget Ubisoft's employees, the, the, the abusive ones, have hurt people outside of the company as well. Oh, yes. So there are people in, in other companies, in other 
industries and other sectors of, of the game industry who have been harmed by these people. You know, the industry meets at uh, events like E3 and, and PAX and, and all of these places. There are many industry parties and shit goes down. And you think predators aren't going to hunt there? Yeah. So that's at the very least of the people who were surveyed, 2,800 do not feel safe in their workplace environment and three and a half thousand people have witnessed or experienced workplace misconduct. This is not a few isolated incidents that, you know, ah, oh, we got rid of a couple of people. This is a problem within their workplace. This is a workplace-wide problem. It doesn't go away. The, the abuse, the toxicity, the, the culture that allowed this to happen doesn't go away until the Jumeaux go away. And the Jumeaux are going nowhere. Yeah. So Ubisoft, as far as I'm concerned, is beyond saving. Any changes it makes now are because it got caught. And until Yves Jumeaux is gone, it will either happen again or happen so much more surreptitiously. He oversaw all this. He was good friends with some of the worst abusers. He is still there. He knew what was going on. I don't know how someone like Gimo keeps his job after an internal survey finds that 2,800 people within that company do not feel safe in the workplace. Because he doesn't have to answer to anyone. Yes, his friends and family control the board. They have stock ownership. They, they own it. Yeah. The Jumeaux's are Ubisoft. Like, that's something I've been stressing in videos and that. That's why this won't be fixed. Because Yves Jouameau is rotten. It doesn't sound like his fucking son's much cop either. The Jouameaux as a whole are sketchy as fuck. They have been with that company from the beginning. They founded the company. They run through that company's core. And the fact that Yves is pretending he doesn't know anything, or, or, or certainly is trying to obfuscate how much he knows, already is damning enough. And he's not going anywhere. So yeah, that company is is beyond redemption. And I've heard from you know stories coming out from the company that many people are looking elsewhere because I think all three of us have, have heard from from people in the industry about how unsafe mm. people still feel there. Mm -hmm. So my advice is get out if you can. I know it's fucking difficult. It's not so easy, but if you if you see an exit, fucking take it. Fucking take it. Yeah. yeah. This story crystallizes why I have not been shutting up about mm -hmm. this as a thing. Because people keep saying, oh, well, they fired the people involved. Oh, those people have been fired. Oh, you know, the company is fixed now. They sorted it. They apologized. Everything's fine now. Don't ruin this for people, you know, working hard on those games. I'm like, no, I'm going to keep talking about this because there are hundreds, there are thousands of people working at Ubisoft who are still not feeling safe in their work environment, who are not being listened to when they complain about abuse. There are thousands of people at that company that nothing is being done to protect. And so, no, I'm not going to shut up because they fired three executives or whatever. Ubisoft has a huge problem. Yeah, there's that fucking tosser who emailed me a few weeks ago demanding I apologise to Ubisoft because one executive left. And, you know, my video on Monday became a self-demonstrating example in the reaction to it, the, the grimly expected reaction to it, where there are certain, not just certain companies, every company will have some fucking corporate thrall that will go to bat for them and will take the first excuse they can to not feel guilty about buying something. Yeah. And and the thing is, if you want to do that, if that's your concern, if, if it's pure self-interest, you want the, 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 the mildest shred of an excuse. Well, the CEO of, of CD Projekt Red said that everyone's happy, so great. Oh, Ubisoft fired some people and they were allowed to resign or whatever. Um, now I can buy the 10th Assassin's Creed game. If that's what you want to do, fine. But then to aggressively come after anyone who's still talking about it and still trying to remind people of very important shit that needs to be remembered. That's when you cross the line to being explicitly complicit with the abuse. Yeah. Also, on that CD Projekt Red thing, can I just say one argument I keep seeing being made this week is, oh, well, it's only an extra day of work a week that's being forced on them. It's not very much. And also they're getting offered like a... Some people have done some estimates and they reckon the staff bonuses are going to be something like $45,000. Tell that to the QA testers. Oh, yeah. Because I tell you what, right? I've been hearing some fucking stories since my video came out and stories have abound about that company. I mentioned them in the video. People aren't bringing it up like because they want to focus just on, you know, oh, well, this crunch is different, right? 
Do we forget the stories that were mentioned years ago and continue to be mentioned and new ones that, that I've been fucking hearing recently that have not been answered for? It's not just about hours worked. That's what I said in the video. It's about atmosphere. It's about culture. It's about the fact that CD Projekt Red is accused of basically doing what Rockstar has done over the years. Intimidating, making people feel miserable and oppressed and promoting people based on who knows who rather than who's good for the job. And this is the thing I was going to add is it doesn't matter that they're being offered a big bonus. It doesn't matter that, oh, it's only X amount of crunch they're having to do for the next six weeks. That is still them being forced to work above what they are contracted to do. And they're not being given these huge bonuses as a thank you for working crunch. No, they were already going to get those. They're just being forced to do crunch. Or you're probably not going to get it if you refuse to do the mandatory crunch. Again, after being told they wouldn't crunch. That's the thing. It's, oh, you want the things that we agreed to give you? Well, now you have to do crunch that we told you you wouldn't have to do. It may only be a little bit of crunch. They might be compensated well. They're still being made to do mandatory crunch that they were told they wouldn't have to do, and that's shitty. People at CD Projekt Red suffer from depression in, in large numbers. This has been reported on. Mm -hmm. People there are miserable. Yeah. Probably not everyone. Probably not anyone that CD Projekt Red would trot out. But the lower down the company you go, the worse it is. They're not different. That's the thing. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not shocked by this. The thing that just pisses me off more than anything is the pride that these people who feel the need to come to the defense of this enormous company that is clearly mistreating its workforce have when they do that defense. <laughs> like they're doing some noble, virtuous deed defending the company. It's pathetic. The entity, not the people in there. Yeah, not the people making the game they love. I mean, this is what I, I, I was talking about a lot last year about giving developers credit for the work they do. The industry's done a good job of convincing us that it's logos that make these games. Mm. It's brands that make these games, not people. So they can be treated like disposable trash and people will defend it, show contempt. People forget that that's how we wound up with companies like Activision and Electronic Arts in the first place. More mass layoffs there, by the way. Of course. Of course, because, but because we had Atari that was being oppressive and not giving due credit to its workers because they viewed them as assets that they didn't want to lose. Because at that time, one person made a video game. And now, here we are again, just not thinking about the people who are making these things, not treating them with dignity and respect. And nothing's fucking changed in 40 years as this business has evolved and become more and more corporatized because it was always that way. That's the through line through the whole fucking thing. And the tens of thousands of people who have been made miserable throughout the course of hundreds of thousands by this point. Many creative people who have been burnt out, run out of the industry, whether through abuse within it or from the gamers, with no one going to their defense. No no one in the company trying to protect any of its workers. Because, well, they won't protect workers from themselves, let alone anything else. Do we have something else to talk about? Well, we could talk about WWE and the way it's treated its workers and it's the way it's trying to turn them into Twitch content farms. Oh, God. We won't do that. Do you want something just nice to end on? Yeah, let's do some nice stuff. Just a nice story with nothing that there's any consequence to. I don't particularly care about Minecraft as a thing, but I know, like, for a lot of people, that's the game that they grew up on their childhood. Yeah. And the Minecraft character is coming to Smash Bros. And that's nice for people. Can I just say, you know me. I'm well known for accurately calling my shots. <laughs> 2018 is when I said Minecraft Steve will come to Switch. Yeah, it's apparently been in development for like five years. Nintendo keep going, hey, can you do it? And Sakura's like, I don't fucking know how to make a block man work in a game with not block people. And eventually he's worked it out. Justin and I had a wager. Once Microsoft started getting involved in Nintendo's business, he said Master Chief, I said Minecraft Steve. I still wouldn't be surprised if Master Chief happened as well at this rate. He'd fear. As a support. Yeah, because at this point, like, this is the second Microsoft character we've had come to Smash in the last six months. Banjo-Kazooie obviously made sense because that was obviously very associated with Nintendo. But, like, it's nice to see Nintendo and Microsoft going, 
look, this makes sense for everyone involved. Let's just put each other's characters in the fighting game. Just like I predicted. Round of applause for me, Goldstar. So yeah, there you go. There's a story that wasn't super depressing. That's happy news. That's all right, yeah. Is that enough of a palate cleanser to not leave the show feeling too miserable? Is there anything else good? I'm sure there's some good in the... Laura, yeah. people might want to know where they can read books and, and look at the internet and listen to things and see things. And they might want to know how you could facilitate some of that for them. You can find me at Laura Buzz pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. You can find me on Twitch Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. That's about three hours after Conrad starts streaming if you want to watch him first. Every Friday I upload episodes of Access Ability to YouTube, which is a series about the video game industry and accessibility and representation. We got an episode this week going up about something called co-pilot mode on Xbox and how that is a super useful feature for helping people play games. Other than that, I've got books. Uncomfortable Labels, that's out now. It's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. It's available where books are sold or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. There is Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is coming out on February 4th, 2021. And there is Gender Euphoria, which is an anthology of non-cis people's gender-affirming positive stories, and that's going to be out June 2021. Other than that, there's podcasts. Pixel Squirt, it's about video game character pornography. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is about things that aren't exclusively video games. And there's Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Every season's a self-contained story. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and seven with Conrad. Hey, that's right. You you are, and that's a fun show. You can also find me on Twitter at Conrad. Conrad Zimmerman. You can come and watch me on Twitch Monday, Wednesday, Friday, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern, as we mentioned at the top of the show at uh, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. I have a Patreon if you want to throw me some bucks uh, to make weird stuff. That's at patreon.com slash fist shark. And you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or you could buy audiobooks from me at conradreads.com. Other than that, um, Jim, you've Patreon, right? Milkworms, milkworms, they come with somewhat shady terms. Yes, patreon.com slash Jimquisition. That keeps this show a-going. That keeps the Jimquisition a-going. Especially since there's no monetization on the channel anymore. It's a free-for-all and it's all for free until I use some licensed music and then CD Baby gets some money, you know? So that's all good. Go on there if you want to support it. You don't have to. The content will be freely available. But if you want to keep it going, you can keep it going. Aside from that, Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling is where you can go for streams. And they've been going really well. I've show off my title belt, show you some aliens toys and some boglins and some animation cells. And then sometimes I'll play a game. So that's good. And that's it. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening, as always. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.